With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, this is Keith Jones, the president of Hockey Operations of the Flyers. Hi, I'm Paul Holmgren. Hey, I'm Travis Konechny. Hi, this is Travis Sanheim. Hi, I'm Joel Farabee. Hey, I'm Scott Lawton. This is Dan Helfer. Hi, this is Bob Clark. And you're listening to... Snow the goalie. 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 I would say, oh, yes, but I have to tell you, I'm a little bit excited. I'm excited for today's show, and I'll tell you why. Oh, boy. Since we are doing our live show the morning after, we don't have to play by the constraints of the press row show. We are allowed to talk about this game however we want. And all I will say is that last night's game was an embarrassment. And you, you go out west, and you lose to a previously winless team, an 0-10-1 team. And I get that it's a rebuild, and we're going to get into it. But it's an absolute embarrassment to lose to San Jose. And we have a lot to get into today. I know that people are already upset. There are people upset yesterday about Morgan Frost. There are people upset this morning about Morgan Frost. I have a lot. Lots and lots of questions about the coach. I have lots of questions about the power play. I have lots of questions about tactics or the lack thereof. But before I go off on typical Russ rants, I want to get to the people who you are actually here to listen to. Ant San Philly in the middle. Bundy on the right at Cetarian 6. Ant, I'm going to go to you for a little bit of morning love this morning. How are you doing? Well, I mean, I'm look. I'm not going to disagree with you that it's a bad loss, right? You don't, you can't lose the San Jose Sharks this season. In the end, when we get to April, we're are going to be one of the worst teams in the history of the league uh, statistically. They just are. Uh, whether it's their record is going to be really bad, or they're not going to score a lot of goals, or give up a ton of goals, the goal differential will be off the charts. Um, so to lose to a team like that, it, it's you know, it should not happen. But I'm not going to be. I'm not going to sit here. And I know fans are upset, and they can be upset. They have the right to be upset. I get it. But I mean, this team is what we thought they were. To steal a line from the the great Denny Dennis Green. Green. Yeah. Dennis Green. Uh, they, they are who that we th- they they're a team that can't score enough goals. The Flyers. I mean, really, when you look at the game last night, I mean, it's a little bit uneven. Um, There's a lot of power plays on both sides. Uh, the power play sucks. It absolutely sucks. But we know that. We knew that it sucked. And there's not any. There's not enough talent here to make it any different. Um, so we they could try whatever they want. They can have them doing you know pirouettes on the ice. You know all you know uh, in in figure eights all the way around the the offensive zone. It ain't going to matter what they do. The often the power play is not going to be good with this group of forwards. Um, but overall, I thought that you know they controlled the game. They just didn't score. 
So you really cut. What, what does it come down to? It comes down to the fact that they had 39 shots on goal and only got one past the goalie. And goalie, mm-hmm. the Sharks goalie played all right. He played fine, whatever. But it wasn't like he stood on his head, though, uh, against 39 shots. I thought that the Flyers, you know, didn't really take advantage of, of opportunities and chances. And that's what's going to happen with a, with a team that's not very good. And you know, don't don't get caught up in the moment. My I guess my comment, my take, biggest takeaway is don't get caught up in the in the fact that you lost to the San Jose Sharks. Sharks are going to win ten games this year, twelve games, whatever they win. Right? Um, this just happened to be one of them. Don't get caught up in the fact that you lost to the Sharks. Get caught up in the fact that the, that the development that you want to see out of the players on this Flyers team has hit a little bit of a roadblock right now, and that should be something where the concern is because it doesn't matter really ultimately who the opponent is. We saw them play great games against Stanley Cup contenders already this season, right? So the fact that they had a bad game against a bad team is is irrelevant. What it is is the relevancy is the the progression of the players, and I think that they've kind of flatlined a little bit from where they started the season. I think that's fair. Bundy, uh, where do you land the morning after losing to the previously winless San Jose Sharks. Fucking sucks, Russ. <laughs> oh, boy. There it is. There he is. Ladies and gentlemen, if you had, I don't know what the over-under was, but just about five minutes, first, a little bit under five word, minutes. First word today. Not first yep. time ever. It led with the, F, with, the, with the Bundy bomb. You know what, though? I am pissed today. And you know what? Um... This was like a whole, just, I don't know what went on in the last two days before the game. Um, but you're right, Anthony, and there's been some backward progression. Um, and I'll be honest with you, I don't, I don't know how much players go in and see like, like, listen, I'm not going to sit here and tell you Morgan Frost is, is an all-star uh, or Wayne Gretzky. He's not. But on a team that can't score, you have to use <laughs> – the young guy that acquired most of the points for you last year. Okay, I get he's not in Torts' plans. Would this be the first young guy that Torts cast off to an island and said, you know what, the hell would he's never going to play in this league? No. No. He's done this numerous times to numerous players in his long tenure as a coach in this league. So I don't think it's all – you're not going to put it in a situation where you're going to blame Morgan Frost. Like, I mean, he somebody wants to. But I'll say this. In the spirit of, of fairness, none of the Morgan Frost benching has been fair. If you're basing it on play and results, I could pick one of five fucking guys that could come out of the lineup for Morgan Frost. And, and again, we signed – the Flyers signed Paling in the offseason. Has he been a good acquisition? Yeah. It's a fourth-line guy. He's not supposed to be married to a fourth-line job. Move him out of the lineup. Move Lawton into the center slot in the fourth line and find a way to put Frost in. The other thing you're doing is you're devaluing. Every time he doesn't play, you're not showcasing him to send him anywhere unless you're just saying, here's what he did last year. He's a point-producing player. I'm not really sure what the, the disdain is for him because, to me, I think he's an effective enough hockey player. Guys, we watch players in this league every night, and you're like, holy shit. Like, it makes me want to think maybe I should get in shape again. Sometimes. <laughs> Obviously, I know that's not going to work. But, like, there's just not enough good players or offensive players. And like as Anthony said, on a team that can't score. So someone's got a boner for him. Pretty clear who. 
And at the same time, you're not going to be able to, to switch gears and then just say, oh, we want to move him now because you haven't been able to even showcase what he's able to do right now. Now, I think if I'm another GM and I can get him for cheap, I would try right now. Because I yeah. do I think you're winning a cup with him as a top-line guy? No. This is a rebuild. But if you're rebuilding and you're trying to get guys in there, you need to use your assets to try to flip the lineup. And him in the press box, I don't. I just don't understand it at this point. I told a story on Flyers pregame radio last night, and I'll use me as an example, but it's happened to hundreds of guys, thousands of guys in the league. You get challenged as a player certain times in your career. And I believe for that that's a really good thing. Like to try to bring out the best in you. And, and three years in the league, I had a pretty co- a pretty easy coast. Thought I was doing good. But when I look back at it now, I wasn't. I was just doing what I had to do to get by. And so someone in the coaches, Terry Murray time, asked me to, to do a lot more. To be better than I was. And he realized it and they said there's more there. So I went out. I got benched for 9 out of 12 games. And I came back in the lineup and I was a completely different player. And I do believe now when I look back that that was for the player. That was for the team. Make the player better for the betterment of the team. But when you have a player that's getting benched repeatedly, uh, he's created chances. You already know his confidence is down. Why would you ball kick him another time? Because you're eventually going to lose that player. And the other thing, no one likes to admit this, but when you do things repeatedly to a player on a team, the other guys in the team take notice. And, and believe me, whether they want to say it or not, it does affect people in there because, and it shouldn't, but it does because people end up being human beings at the end of the day. Morgan Frost, a good teammate, the guys, it's going to tick them off. Like Travis Sanheim last year, why bench a guy in his hometown? Like why sit a guy out at a healthy scratch in, in, in his town where he had 12 family members going to it? Those are things that aren't necessary. It didn't make Travis Sanheim any better. You know, there's just, there's doing things the right way and there's doing things. I just don't think that are the right way, but you have a point that, but someone's trying to make a point and someone's trying to, to fill in a blank somewhere, but I just don't think that blank is there to be filled in with this team. This is who they are. We shouldn't be surprised. Now, listen, in fairness to what we said, Anthony, I know you want to jump in. We all sure. picked the Flyers to kick the living shit out of San Jose last night. We did. I thought yeah. they would walk on this team and yeah, the goalie played good, but the Flyers, as you say it, they can't finish. They don't have goal scores. And they keep on shoving the same guys out again to try to find a goal. I've never, I wish I had a coach as invested in me scoring one goal as Torts is with some of those guys right now on his forward lines. So, again, that's, I'm being facetious and joking, but, I mean, what more do you got to do? They can't score anyway, whether you put it on – they couldn't shoot it in the ocean right now, and that's a fact. So, yeah. one goal they scored in the last two games, and the one game they couldn't score against was a team that just gave up 20 goals in two games against. The Flyers got one – and I'm not even sure that that was a one. <laughs> People are saying it was a Farabee goal. I don't know if it even went in. It was an, They called it a goal. But anyway, that's what you're dealing with. That's the honest-to-God truth of where they're at with a team. Maybe some people won't like that take, but that's the truth. There's no other way around it. Yeah, my my problem with the Morgan Frost thing, and you know, I mean, I'm, I've, uh, I've said this many times, I'm not a guy who thinks Morgan Frost is a, is a player in this league, right? But my problem with it is the coach doesn't explain, doesn't justify publicly why he's doing this to this guy, right? I mean, you know, you, you, you sit him for six straight games and you don't really say anything. You basically say, I'm not going to change the lineup. Things are going well. Okay, fine. You know, you took him out and then you rode some success with the lineup you had. 
Well, then you struggle. And I look, you could have picked any number of players to come out of that lineup. Not that when Morgan Frost came back in, he was suddenly Thank a world you. beater. Right? Yes. He wasn't. Right, no. he wasn't a world beater, but he was also wasn't terrible. It's not like you sat there and watched Morgan Frost go play and you went, "Oh man, he was bad." Like if you wanted to find a player who had played terrible against Los Angeles, for example, and you wanted to pull them out for this game to send another message, you could have pulled Cam York from the lineup, right? Yes. And he didn't. Okay, I think Owen Tippett has. Oh, been... by the way, and I don't mean to interrupt you, but like not yeah. only did he not pull Cam York, but he said in comments leading up to yesterday's game. That like Cam York has a blank slate, despite not playing well. Like despite having multiple multiple games, I don't want to interrupt you. Like we'll get yeah, into no, that no, no, no. But, but I mean, like, but, the- but he's he's essentially just kind of gone like carte blanche, carte blanche, he- selective carte blanche for certain guys on the roster. Yeah, Continue. no, and and so, and then he was asked about it after the game last night. Kevin Kurz from the the Athletic asked him about you know taking Frost out, and he gave a one word answer, and that was it. It's like. Look, you can, you can make coaching decisions, and whatever your coaching decisions are and the reasons that you have for them, whatever they are, they are. But you you got to kind of give something to the fans, even if it's a little bit of lip service. You can't just ignore it and keep ignoring it, and that's where I have an issue with what's happening. Give us a reason. Tell us what you don't like about the way he's playing. Yeah. That that you know oh okay all right and and let us judge whether or not we want to say that that's fair or not, but give us something. Otherwise, it just seems personal. And I want to throw one more thing out there about the whole Morgan Frost thing, because I think that there might be an element of this too. So as everyone knows, you know Morgan Frost signed his contract very late. It was right before the start of training camp. It was an all summer long thing, right, with Morgan Frost. Um, the Flyers obviously have changed the way that they're playing their their system a little bit. They're trying to be a little bit more aggressive offensively. They're trying to generate more. They get that forecheck going. Um, we've heard Torts talk about it a few times, and he says, you know, we're going to need our goalies to help bail us out a few times because we're going to be we're going to push it a little bit more than we did a season ago. And so that's something that you start instilling in the summer. As a matter of fact, it starts to get instilled in the summer before camp even starts. Right, Bundy? I mean, these guys start showing up early in August, right? And they're working and they're practicing. It should not – even though the coaches aren't out there and it's just the guys on the ice, don't be fooled. That is certainly organized practice in a way. There are things that those guys are doing and are practicing doing that they're being told to do, okay? Um Morgan Frost wasn't part of that because he wasn't signed. And I think that Bob, the fact that Morgan Frost and his agent dragged the Flyers along to get that contract done probably pisses off Torts more than anything because it meant that he wasn't able to really take part in that team work in the summertime. And so, therefore, if he, every little mistake is is going to be highlighted or magnified even more in Tortorella's mind with Morgan Frost than with any other player who was there and part of it and has been, you know, working together since since the summer. Okay. Again, I, I, that's 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 so fucking stupid. Yeah, guys, guys, well, I mean, I'm, it's just, just conver- I, it's conversation I, I, I just, listen, that I hear, I'm, and I'm listen, talking, I'm, you know, I'm just. I'm not. I'm not saying you're stupid. I'm not even saying you're fucking stupid. I'm just saying that's stupid. No, I but legitimate... it, it is true, though, Russ. Go, to go a ahead, go ahead, buddy. 
Oh, there is a little truth to that. But guys can't. Like, I saw Morgan Frost before he'd signed. I went in and spoke to the team one morning, just a lot of the young guys in development camp. And he was unsigned, but he was in there working out with Tippett. Like, I was down in the like the little gym area. So, you do stuff. It's when you get later in camp, when negotiations get a little hairy and you haven't signed yet. And then you kind of stay away from the rink a little bit. But no coach ever gets ticked off at a player for signing later because that's really not a his business. That's a, that's the business side of it. it has nothing to do with coaching. Um, I, I don't know. It's just, uh, it's just, a, it's just odd. I, and, and again, and, and to me, it's not fair. It's not fair. Like you can, that's the part for me. Like if I'm looking as a coach, I'm looking at the roster, unless you just completely hate a guy, you want to sit him out. That looks like maybe what it is, but if you're going to do it fairly, there's other guys that could have come out of the lineup. Oh, easily, easily. Easily. And one yeah. other one other thing I want to say, well, since we're on the Morgan Frost train here, um, a lot of a lot of fans, and not just those who are commenting here, although there's been a few comments in here about it, um, but I've seen it on Twitter uh, a lot in, in, uh, yet, since yesterday, since it was announced that Frost wasn't going to play. There's a lot of people who think that Danny – is not in step with this and needs to step in and do something about it. Now, there's a nuanced way of saying that. And, and the first part I'm going to say is this. Danny is fully on board with what Torts is doing. So keep that in mind up front. Da- Danny is – I don't think Danny is a huge fan of Morgan Frost either. That said, where I agree with the fans is I think Danny – could since his coach isn't explaining it, Danny could explain it. Maybe yeah. Danny or or Jonesy for that matter, or Jonesy, as who's, president who of hockey is, operations. Yep. Right, one of them should should come out and say something that would that would say, "Here's why we're doing this." You know, Morgan's not giving us what we need at the whatever it is, whatever you say publicly, but to for everybody to to not say anything. It makes it look worse, and I think that's where you say, "Well, it's tanking his value." Well, yes, it is tanking his value, but it's tanking his value not because he's not playing. It's tanking his value because nobody is telling you why he's not playing, and so therefore you're sitting there thinking, "This is not good. This is a player we wouldn't want." If you're another, if you're another general manager, like there's red flags out the wazoo going up. So I think somebody needs to step in and say why this is happening. At this point, with Morgan Frost, that's all. So, I'm I'm going to try to be a little bit measured here, but this is the problem that I've had, and I don't want it to over. I don't want to like overreact because I like to approach this relatively rationally. But what I've seen here over an extended period now, I tweeted about this yesterday. Like, I don't, in my heart of hearts, believe that Morgan Frost is going to like turn into a ninety point player. I don't think he's even going to be an 80-point player. I don't think that if you sent him to another team, he's going to all of a sudden blossom and like become a guy that – I saw somebody yesterday, and this was like silly, but somebody goes, he's going to join the, the ranks of Mike Richards, Jeff Carter, and Patrick Sharp, where you trade them away and you never gave them a chance. I'm like, no, Richards was a really good two-way player. He was your captain. Carter was a sniper. Like We knew what they were. They, they just decided to press reset. Sharp was – you know because the coach hated him. I look at this and I go, all right. I said, none of this makes sense because when they hired John Tortorella, I was very much of the belief that this team 
was not on the right track and this team had no shot of doing anything of value and that they needed to blow it up and that John Tortorella is not a rebuilding coach. And I think that ultimately that's going to continue to play out. Like I, I, I was right then and I will be right from now until the time that he's either relieved of his duties or he moves somewhere else within the organization. I just don't think he's the guy to be the rebuild guy. I don't, I don't, I don't, have, that, I don't, I don't have a problem with that. Though, no. Russ, I want to stop it just for a second because I okay. don't have a problem. Just for a second, I'll let you finish. I, I don't have a problem with him being the rebuild coach, right? It, like it, he's going to instill in players a certain way of playing the game that you need to play if you're going to be, you know, a successful team eventually. And so, if you look at players on this roster and you say that let's say of the current roster, let's say half of the guys on this roster are going to be there when they are a, a, a contender again. Mm-hmm. Well, then this is the guy that, you know, he's going to teach them to be pros the right way. And, yeah, you're going to have some things that you're going to get pissed off about with the way he coaches. He might make them win too much and you don't get a better pick. Or he might treat a player badly like he's treating Morgan Frost badly. Yes, those mm-hmm. things could happen. You take the good with the bad, right? But the fact of the matter is, is that the ultimate, the fruits of the labor of John Tortorella as the coach will eventually come out. He may not be the coach when they do, right? But I mean, you talk to young, the guys who were young players who had a hard time with a certain coach, they'll tell you as they get older and after their careers were over, yeah, I hated it in the moment, but man, I really needed that guy to be my coach. Not, and, and not so, all of them. Not all of them. Not yeah. All of them. Not, not I, all like, of them. That, that I think yeah. is like where there's. Look, I, I have to be, like, honest here. I don't think that he's the guy. I think he's a guy who won a Stanley Cup 20 years ago. I think he's a guy who's won two Jack Adams, including 2016-2017, when he had a team that I think overachieved. And, like, when I look back at it, I say, like, it's cool. And, it, it you know, they, they might have fallen into the same trap that they did when they hired Vino, where you say, like, hey, this guy has a fantastic record, and we think that he's going to, you know, lead us to the promised land. Tortorella's not a rebuild guy. He's never been a rebuild guy. Well, I disagree. Uh, the, he, he has. What has Tam- he rebuilt? T- Tampa? He rebuilt uh, New York? 20 years ago. 20 New years York? ago. New what York was New bad York when do? he took over. What did New York end look, up winning? Okay, look, I mean, we, you are of the generation that... Did, hold on. Not stop only it. what did you're New a, York of, win, which you young of, players did John Tortorella uh, help to build you, into star caliber players... In that rebuild, you are of the generation no, get, no, no, that measures everything. That measures everything by winning one Which championship. Young players did John Tortorella build into good young star players in that rebuild that you claim that he helped lead? I want names. I'm not letting you do like the bullshit. <laughs> I, I well, here's, here's the here's the Michael map. Go ahead, Bundy. Go ahead, Bundy. Delzato. <laughs> yeah, like, come on. Like, we're not doing this. If. If this we were mean, a guy who Rick, who we Rick said Na- look Rick Nash, yeah, I mean, like if you know if what this... though, he had a team though, Anthony in New York, like he had some pretty good players. He did, yeah, but when he took over, yeah. they weren't good. And he had Lund- well, he had Lundquist. Well, that yeah, of he had course, a great goalie. The, that, he had he had the goalie. The goalie the best, the best goalie of his generation, or or one of. Like, come on, we have to be real here. I'm not saying that he's a bad coach. I'm saying I don't think he's the guy who develops these players and he develops whatever you think are going to be the guys that you want to build around for the next five years. I mean, if you want, so so you want me to, I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you the names. I'm going to give you a couple of names from that New York team. I'm going to give you some names from that New York team. Okay. Because they were kids when he took over and didn't make the playoffs and then turned out to be pretty darn good players. How about Ryan Callahan? 
Ryan Callahan a good player? He's fine. He's How fine. about Mark Stahl? Was Mark Stahl been a good player in this league? How about Brandon Dubinsky? He was good for a while, right? I mean, wow. he they had a very young team that just could Dan Girardi. There was a guy who's been around for, who, who lasted forever. I mean, he had a very young team that he took over and you know, look, you're not going to get you're not going to sit there and say, "All right, all 20 of these guys are going to we're going to grow them all together." Hockey just in general, the the rosters change over year after year after year. There's so few guys that you know stay with one team from one year to five years or six years or seven years so when you look at it and you say okay these guys he took over a team with a bunch of young players and four of them turned out to be pretty good at least three the four i mean dubinsky you could you know he was a 20 goal scorer for a little while but at least three of them turned out to be real no i mean callahan is not reaching stall callahan was 24 when he took over stall was 22 mike richards light yeah, but I mean, but yeah. he was a good player. Dan, I mean, Dan Girardi, they're all in their early 20s. And they ended up being good players and on a good team. They didn't win a cup. I get it. But the Rangers were a good team. They got to a final. I mean, <laughs> it's not easy to ultimately win. Like, one team wins every year. It's not. I, I, we get so caught up in the you have to win a championship. And I'm not trying to sit here and defend Torts for what he's doing with the team. What I'm trying to say to you is we put too much stock in that. And, and, yes, players can develop under a tough coach like Torts. We've seen it happen before. Go put so Jack Callahan in nets for that Ranger team. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I, I want to be really, really clear here, okay? Jack Campbell, yes, I said. I, I think that Tortorella has the culture if if you're hell bent on the idea that you're going to instill values into your players, then that's fine. If that's all this is, if that's all this run is going to be through the end of his contract, you have at it. However, it can't be at the detriment of being able to move guys and build the value of guys. I, again, I don't think Morgan Frost is going to be some elite player if he moves elsewhere. But continuing to bench him for little to no reason that's been publicly expressed does not actively help his trade value. If you're of the same mindset that I am, that Frost typically plays well against bad teams and doesn't play particularly well against good teams, then last night was a great example of a game where he probably should have played. And him not playing doesn't really make a lot of sense. And the more he gets scratched, and to the point that you guys made before... You have Danny Briere and you have Keith Jones, who's great with media, is a fantastic forward-facing president of hockey ops. That's part of his role. Somebody's got to come out and explain it. Because otherwise, you're putting all the onus on the coach who's going to give one-word answers. And that's not okay. Ultimately, you can look at it macro view and you say, hey, you know what? They lost to a team that they are likely going to be fighting for a top pick in the draft at the end of the season. And if there's ever a tiebreaker. Losing this game is great for those odds. But to not have a reason or rationale for why Morgan Frost is the guy who continues to be the whipping boy for the team, when Cam York hasn't played well, when Tyson Forster can't hit the net, when, Noah, or when, when Cates doesn't look great, like, I'm sorry, but, like, I have a hard time sitting back and saying, like, no, nah, it's okay. Trust the process. No, I mean, I, again, I think that there's two, those are two different arguments. I, I agree with you in a sense that, that yeah, you know this has not been right what they're doing to Morgan Frost, and you know I was fine with them sitting him out the first time. Okay, maybe it went a couple games too long, but I understood why. 
But to that quickly come back and bench him again when there are other players who could have had the same fate and and brought that room even made that room even tighter. Like okay, it's not just one guy that he's picking on. It could be any one of us at any one, at any time. Like that is where I agree with you that it was it's not a good thing. But that doesn't necessarily mean what what, what I'm saying about him with the way he treats players a certain way is 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 wrong. Coach, coaching is weird, like Russ and I know. Like I've been in, I've played for seasons where I've had two coaches. One got fired, and one loved me, and the other guy hated me. Maybe not hated you, but just didn't like you as much as the other guy. Or you got a guy that hated you, and you get a guy that comes in and likes you. It's all attitude of how you want to treat the player, and you know what you want to get out of him, and how he can be of use to you. Um, I don't get it because a personality shouldn't change, and a lot of guys do take it personally. You know, I do believe there's some degree of that to it, though. I, I mean, when you get into a longer thing and you have a guy who's bona fide, like I think, just able to play in this league. I always did feel there was some personal edge on a lot of guys, but one thing I will, I can hundred percent tell you, there's going to be coaches that are going to hate guys, no matter what, maybe just for the way they look walking into the rink in the morning. And that's not fair, but unfortunately that's a reality. So Bundy, let me throw like, like, let me throw this to you then the, the notion of, okay, so, so torts is a hard ass. Who's going to instill the values of winning is what we're told and, and is what they're trying to sell. And years ago, we interviewed Scott Gordon, who took over as the interim coach for this team, who talked about three, it was like three years ago, four years ago. I, I went back, I think I just uploaded that one to YouTube, or maybe that's on the plan for today. But he talked about how the current player, and this was four years ago, it's still, it's still true now. The current player is not the player of 20 years ago, in that the current player wants to have rationale for why decisions are made. And they ask why, not in a disrespectful way, but because they want to understand how they fit in the grand scheme. It's like a different way of thinking about the game. So like Bundy, if, if the idea here is to rebuild and the idea here is to create a culture, but yes, but also realize that like all of the guys who are on the roster right now, are not going to be on the roster when you are ready to kind of flip the switch. Of course not. Is it, is it better to have the hard ass guy here now who might alienate some of these players or could it perhaps be a better thing to have a guy who comes in and isn't rainbows and smiles, but is maybe more of an uplifting kind of coach who's going to try to unlock those guys and make them feel empowered to like go out and make decisions? Like, I, where where do you land on something like that? Well, I think you know the coach like Torts. I mean, he came in last year clearly, and we said this is this needed this required a rebuild. It needed one right away probably the wrong coach he's going to get you 10 or 12 points more than your team is worthy of getting because he's going to up he's going to coach up and that's exactly what happened <laughs> exactly what happened I, I don't know like you know what you know and also I mean in fairness to him like he's he's um lasted through a new regime like they brought a new GM in a new president and the coach survived um that's rare you know in a lot of ways but he's also making four he's got a four-year deal making pretty darn good money um the other thing, but the one thing I will say though is that he, and we complained about this guys a couple of years ago. Bad, like the competitiveness of this team, the competitive spirit, the determination that was expected on the ice from a team from this city and from the, the history of this team was unacceptable beyond belief two years ago, three years ago yeah. under Fletcher and that regime. Nobody said anything; they just kept on carrying water and, and just doing their jobs. But you know what? That was bullshit. And so one thing I'll say about Torts, 
whether you fucking like him or you hate him or he's a good guy or bad guy, and I don't give a shit either way what he is, he held guys accountable and at least brought the organization back to a wor- having a work ethic and having a, re- a return to culture. He don't know anything about the culture of this team. He's never been here. You can pretend you come in the first week like, oh, I always wanted to coach here. He knew shit about this team. And you know what? I mean, it, other than the outside stuff. And I'll give him credit for turning uh, a team that had learned to lose, learned to not compete, and he held them accountable enough that they did return to some prominence with work ethic. And that was the one thing we harped on, right, Anthony? Like, we bitched about their lack of work ethic and competitiveness. So to John Tortorella, I salute you for getting that back. You've made the product a lot more watchable because it was a fucking embarrassment what I watched for two or three years. And it was unacceptable. And everybody knew it. I'm not the only guy saying it. Every alumni knew it. Everybody whispered around about it. Nobody said anything. Broadcasters kept broadcasting. People kept pushing this thing along. But it was never going anywhere. But I do appreciate Torts is, is uh, made the team relevant again in the sense that they do work. Results, you're not going to get results if you don't have the horses there to do that. Right. And so, and so they're stuck in mud. You can't, you know, you can't turn chicken, um, chicken shit into chicken salad. Like, you just can't do it. It's not going to happen that easily. You can't make a guy who's not a goal scorer a goal scorer. You can make a, a goal scorer or a checker, though. That's one thing you can do. And, right. uh, you know, uh, that, that happens a lot. So, again, I, I, I commend them for that. But I don't know what the rebuild's going to look like in two years. And whether or not Torts is here still, I have no idea. That's a long time for one coach, you know, going through a rebuild. So he has to also change his entire thinking. Like, he can't coach his team like he did the 2004 Tampa Bay Lightning. You know, he doesn't well, have- I, I, I- and I think that he's I think he said that. I mean, I think that, you know, and, and we you know, we've talked about this uh, off air and where we've where we've said that, you know, th- this is a kinder, gentler torts. There was a time not yeah. even I would say even in go back to his Columbus days. So you don't have to go back that far where if, if you lost a game two to one to an O ten and one team who gotten who's gotten blown out in all 11 games that they've played, um, he would have lost his freaking mind in the press conference last night and he was he was more subdued and he and so I think that there is a that he has changed a little bit from what his reputation is and I think that we're looking at this and saying okay he's got a real bug up his ass for for Morgan Frost we know that we see it okay it's evident but I would sit there and tell you that I think that there are other players who he really really likes and who are responding to him on this team now there may have been a there might be a flat line with some players right now that you that you should be concerned about but I do think there are players who are excelling under torts I think like a guy like Travis Konechny for example has been a much better player under John Tortorella especially this season last night we obviously nobody was great but um yeah but uh this season the way you see TK play is even different than he played last year when you know when he was their best player and and I so I do think that there are players who do take that next step who do develop and we can sit here and complain about the guys that aren't and the way he treats them and again like I said you take the good with the bad but there are some good steps too that we have to recognize and understand that yeah that's part of coaching right I mean we he's getting some players to play at a better level as well and that's there that should not be overshadowed yeah, TK is a, is a key cog, and, and you're right. He has responded well. He scored a lot of goals under torts. But you know what? 
Morgan Frost did two last year. Yeah. No, I know, I agree. <laughs> Second I half agree. of the year. I mean, what you can only get you, you can't get blood from a stone. And Morgan Frost gave as much as I think he was capable. I still think there's another gear there. But you got to let him play, and it's clear that's not going to happen here. Yeah. So. Um, I, the one other thing I did want to talk about again, again, is the power play. I was just going to say it. Just going to Be- say it because Brutal. it's 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 so bad. It's so bad, and we've heard him say the things that need to be said about it. And obviously, they they know what they need to do. The coaching staff, and so like I said, well, we need a better coach. I, I got a DM from a guy today who who said, you know, Danny should put them on notice to fix the power play or else. And I'm going to sit here and say, who's scoring on this power play? Like the difference between being a good five on five player and Bundy, I think you can you'll agree with this. You know, good five on five players, guys who scored even strength, score basically off of determination. Right, they go in. They're willing to hunt the puck. They have great, you know. They they're gonna find a teammate. They're gonna make a play. They're gonna do something, and it's built more out of the determination to to win 50-50 plays and make things happen. On the power play, it's ninety five percent about skill. It's about your who are your best passers, who can who can move the puck the best, who's got a hard like a great shot, this and that. That's where your high end talent comes in. That's why the best power plays in hockey are all teams that have star quality forwards, right? If you're a team that doesn't have a star quality forward on your team, you're gonna struggle on the power play. You're just gonna struggle on the power play. That's just the nature of it. This power play is really ugly. It's really bad. And it was probably the reason they lost last night, again, going 0 for 4 against a bad Sharks team. Um, and so you sit there and say, you have to do the simple things when you are a simple team. I, you know, it, it really is that. Just get pucks on net and crash the net. I know it sounds so, you know, garage league right because that's how you score because nobody's got that vicious shot from the top of the circle you know in in your beer league right i mean you're, you're going to go down there just get to the front of the net create havoc and somebody will bang it home and they just won't do it and i don't understand why they don't try to j- at least just jump start the power play with that kind of mentality and then you want to try and do some other things after that okay fine but at least get it started on a way to force that, you know, force the, the 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 penalty kill to kind of play you differently. Right now, they're just standing there in a box saying, "Yeah, you want to pass it around to the outside all day for two minutes? Go nuts, guys!" <laughs> that's, what, what that's what I, they're doing. I was joking about that at the game the other day with you, Anthony. I said, yeah. uh, "If I'm a defenseman, I would have said, boys, that's a beautiful perimeter passing you're doing here.'" <laughs> And if you keep doing it for another 20 minutes and another minute and 20 seconds, yeah. you'll build your own power play. But thanks a lot. You don't have to do anything. You just got to stand there. If I'm the defenseman, I just stand between the, the, the low face-off dot and the hash mark. I'm not moving. Yeah. I can actually go three feet each way with the Flyers power play if I'm a killing defenseman on the left side. Oh, pass down. Let me go down and shade it down here. Pass back. Let me go back. Where the problem is, is what they fucking refuse to do is put it to the point and shoot. Yes. That's where the hard play to defend is. Because then I, you got to spin. You're looking for guys flying to the net. you got your, your your eyes looking over here when there's someone over there. How the, how do you not do it like that easy? Like, is someone trying to, like, set up a power play that was for the 84 Oilers? Right. Like, simplify the power play. John LeClaire's over there right now. 
I want John LeClaire should go out in the ice with the power play and show them how to score goals. Because I'll tell you what, it ain't John LeClaire in front. That's it's, it's just having a body in front and being willing to outcompete guys in front of that. This is not a power play that should be elaborate or have a whole lot of scheme to it. It should be get it back to the point, pump it to the net, and get after the puck. Yeah, I agree, hundred percent. I don't. I just. I, I guess I don't understand why they haven't fixed that yet. Like why? But what why can you? But many, how are you no, no, fixing no. it? No, doing exactly what we've been talking but, about and, all season. But what I, and what I'm telling you, Russ, is they've said it. Torts has said it multiple times. Yeah, he has. We need to be simple. We need to just get shots on goal. We need. He's. he's he said. It, I think at the one press conference, he said, "I, I don't want to make it sound like it's just shoot and go get the rebound, but." Like, that's what it, he's saying it. So they're probably telling the players this, and it's just not registering for these players. And that's what the frustration is on, for the coaching staff, I'm sure. But the players, ultimately, we could yell and complain about coaches all we want. Ultimately, the results have to come from the players on the ice. They have to do this. They're not doing it. They're not taking it. They're trying to get too cute to find something that's not there that, or they're not skilled enough to, com- to complete. And that's the problem. Um, one other thing before we head out, there was a rumor that came out that the Flyers and Owen Tippett might at some point look to get a deal done. And the, the number that had been thrown out there seems ludicrous, but the number that came out was that Owen Tippett's camp could look for seven plus million dollars a year. Now, this team is what it is. This team is capable of what it's capable of. Owen Tippett is a nice player. Is he a seven-plus million-dollar-a-year player? I'm not so sure. So let me ask you a question. Is this a case, this up. Is this a case of well, the player can ask for whatever the hell he wants. It doesn't mean the team has to give it to him. Or is this posturing? Like Where, where do you land? I don't think it's either. Um, I'm wow. not convinced on the report. Um, if you noticed, if you go into the uh, the tweet where that was one of the tweets that was mentioning this, because I think it was a couple of different people who put it out there, um, the actual agency that represents Owen Tippett replied to the tweet and said, this report is 100% false. Wow. <laughs> so the agency was like, uh, no. <laughs> Not true at all. I mean, so you it, really, yeah, go ahead. Sorry, Anthony. No, I'm just saying, like, agents don't do that. Like, if if really, if the, if the agent, if an agent, let me give you a little inside baseball. If an agent tells a reporter information that they want for, you know, they want to get out there for their player or whatever, blah, 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 they'll give it to you and they'll, you know, usually tell it to you off record or say, you know, don't, don't. Give that don't say that that I gave it to you or whatever, and then you put it out there, and then they just let it go and see how the reaction is, et cetera, et cetera. An agent doesn't usually respond to a report and say it's bullshit, (laughs) unless it's actually not what the agent is saying. I mean, what's the benefit in that information being out there from the agent? You know what I'm saying? And I can promise you, the team isn't telling. A, a reporter, yeah, we're negotiating this, and this is the, this is what they're asking for, and we're going to give it to them, or we're close to that. Whatever, they're not going to say that unless it's it's about to happen. 
So the the combination of things here just don't add up. And so yeah. for the agency for the agency to come out and answer the answer the tweet really quickly and say it's not true at all uh, tells you all you need to know. Yeah, and also it's weird too, Andy, because usually like the agents will get you have something that you could kind of throw chum out a little bit. And I understand there's the guys that they'll make a case that there's similar guys that are making close to them. But if you look last year at all, I just had stats. And if I'm playing a GM, if I'm Danny Briere, my negotiation's fairly easy. He can't right now make more than Joel Farabee made. He just can't because you signed him. He was your developed guy. He had 18 of 27 goals last year that, that uh, Owen Tippett had. Um, were against non-playoff teams or empty net goals. 18 of the 27 goals he scored last year. So, you know, if you're talking about Morgan Frost having down numbers, Tippett's were almost matched to what Morgan Frost's were. And they want to see it. Remember I said beginning of the year, and Anthony, you know what? You have to keep showing the goal scoring. When you show it once, you can't just disappear. You have to always show it. That's why it's so difficult being a goal scorer in the league and have expectations. But when you look at it, you need to see more of a sample size. I think if you're Briere, if you, I mean, if that's really a number, which I don't believe it is, I think there's a more rational number because Danny, if I'm the GM talking to his agent, he's actually got some stats on his side that would avoid having to pay some that kind of a money that kind of money for a player. I, I, I like I, in the, all honest, in all honesty, I can't imagine even even without the agency saying what they said. I, I can't imagine that they would look at what Owen Tippett's provided so far and said, oh, yeah, he's a $7 million a year player. Like, I, I just don't other, see it. I, I, there's no – Right, that you traded for him. You're like, wow, we got a guy for Jerusalem. Let's sign him because we have to salvage it. Owen Tippett is absolutely an NHL player. Yeah. He's yeah. been a great find for this team. There's no doubt. But if you're talking about $7 million, then you, better, you should you have be nine a lot or better. ten goals right now. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Do we Absolutely. have who had the original report about that? Um, so it, I think it was uh, I think it was Anthony DeMarco who had the original report. Is he the one that they replied to? No, they replied to Dylan Robillard. Got it. Uh, okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm gonna if make sure go we have to, our ducks in a row. Yeah. Yeah. Um they replied yeah, it's W D Sports and Entertainment. If you at WD okay. underscore sports agency, if you want to pull it up, the actual tweet is zero truth to this report. That the weird thing is, like, I don't remember an agency ever doing that. Like, it's that that is a well, they rare... they do. I mean, yeah, I mean, there. I mean, there it's, are it's agents pretty, who it's are pretty rare. There are agents who are active on Twitter and talk about their players. Yeah, you know, both po- in a positive, obviously, always in a positive light, but they also respond to things. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, regarding their player, um, usually is in a defensive way of doing it, but yeah. yeah, this was this was an entire age. This wasn't even the the specific agent. It was the entire agency. Agency yeah. <laughs> replying yeah. that there's Reply. zero truth to it. Yeah. Going to answer so, this, guys. Fro- Frost is an NHL player. Owen Tippett had one gear. They're expecting more. Okay, if you go through the league, I want you, you uh, this gentleman here, Dan GC, go watch hockey for four nights as many games you can and then come back and let me know if Morgan Frost is still not an NHL player. Yeah. Yeah, the the league the league is diluted. There are too many teams and there are about to be even more. Frost is an NHL player. I think the real debate is what his actual ceiling is. And we won't know in fairness, we will not know until he's on another team. 
Because as of right now, as we let off the show with, this coach just does not seem to believe in him. And as Bundy kind of alluded to, this no longer feels like a motivational tactic to try to get the best out of the player. It's unfortunate because if he does move on and does end up becoming a good player for another team, then you'll probably kick yourself as an organization. But we'll see. Um, to tip it thing real quick, the cap is going to go up. If you can get Owen Tippett signed at like $5 million a year for like three years or something like that, that might not end up being a bad deal. Because even if he doesn't blossom into the guy that you think he could be, he's still a good player and he still fits the mold of what this coach and what this organization apparently are going to value going forward. Uh, I'm always Mr. Sunken Costs shouldn't fi uh, figure into future expenditures. So just because he was part of the deal for Clutch Root doesn't mean that you are required to actually go and extend him. But I do think he's a good player. And as the cap goes up, a $5 million cap hit is going to be a bargain as long as he, if, even if he's only a 20-ish, 25-goal scorer. Look, here's the thing with Tippett. He's making $1.5 this year, and then he's an RFA going into next season, right? So you, mm -hmm. it's not like uh, it's not like it's a situation where oh he has to be signed or else he's going to go somewhere else. He probably will, you know. Th they're not going to. I don't think they're going to sign. I honestly don't think they're going to sign him until after the season, right? They're going to let the season mm -hmm. play out, see what kind of year he has, and then make the contract offer determ you know, off of a, a two year determination. Say, hey, this is what you did over the last two years. Boom. And you know, could I see him getting that uh, a contract similar to what Farabee got? Yeah, I think that ultimately. You could get something along those lines, maybe for a shorter term. Maybe you, you know, maybe you're not looking at it being a, you know, a, a five-year deal. Maybe it's a more of a bridge type thing. But I think he could be, he could ultimately be in that five million dollar range. But if he were going to offer, if you were going to pay him seven million dollars, he'd sec, he'd become the second highest player on the team. Right. Like, is Owen Tippett the second best player on the team that he deserves that contract? No, <laughs> like no. So that's why I think it's ridiculous to even say that that's the number because it's not anywhere close to to realistic. I think that's fair. I have to. I'm afraid to say this out loud. No, I'll tell you guys about it after. We got a ridiculous retweet. Uh, <laughs> I'm not going to. I'm not going to say on air what right. it was. Um, all right. I think we've probably touched on everything we're going to. We somehow have once again turned the morning after show into almost a regular episode of Snow the Goal. It's supposed to be a 15-minute show. We did almost an hour. <laughs> um, I do want to let people know that we are looking at the calendar. We're trying to figure out, and we're going to start releasing, I think, an idea of which days we're going to be doing live, which days we're going to be doing morning after. Like, it's, it's clear. We do press row show home games. We do the morning after recap for road games the day after. But we do want to be a little bit more clear about when we're going to have actual episodes of the regular Snow the Goalie show. We appreciate everybody who checked in. We had over 150 people here uh, live at, a, like, what was it, eight around 9, 9.15 this morning. We had a lot. We had over, uh, over 100 on YouTube alone. Then we picked up another 50-something plus through uh, Facebook and the Twitter. Uh, so that's pretty cool. So big thank you to everybody who checked in. If you're watching this live or if you're watching it after the fact on YouTube, please make sure you hit that like button. Subscribe to the channel. Ring the bell so you're notified whenever new episodes drop. And I will warn you, there are old episodes of Snow the Goalie going into the YouTube channel. 
they're in the playlist of Snow the Goalie episodes. So there are going to be, over the next few days, you might get notifications about, like, episode 31 hitting. There were people yesterday who uh, listened to one or two of the episodes that went up, and one of them was with Scott Hartnell uh, when he got recognized at a game a few years ago. And we interviewed him in, like, NBA Room 2 or whatever it was before he went out for pregame. Yep. And uh, there was somebody who was like, oh, Hartsey, thanks for all the memories. I'm like, well, that's really sweet, except the, sit- the interview, as it notes in the description, is like three or four years old. But hey, you know, you do you, honey boo-boo. So uh, big thank you to everybody who checked out the show. We got a Bundy bomb less than five minutes in. First word Listen, today. First word. There was there was a guy on Twitter who told me, uh, can't wait to hear you uh, toe the line for your employers. Well, I think that uh, not only are they not our employers – but I think we can also point out the fact that we were pretty critical of the team today. So if for some reason you have this misconception in your mind that we've gone soft. We are not critical. We are honest. And there's a difference. That's mm-hmm. true. There's a That's difference. True. All right. Everybody have a great day out there. We will be back. What's the let – me, let me look at the calendar here. And you should have it committed <laughs> to memory. What? You don't even what know do when they you don't you don't know when they play. We got back the backers coming up. We got a Friday, it's Friday, Saturday, at 10 p.m. and a yeah. 10:30 LA. That's I love the 10:30 starts. I will leave Fucking you with this. 10:30. I said it on the pregame last night with Jason Martinez. Any team in the Eastern Conference that goes out west should be capped at a 10 p.m. start time. 10:30 starts should be completely obliterated for Eastern Conference teams going out west. The starts are too late. People yep. still want to watch their team. 10 o'clock brings some reason into it. 10.30 starts shifting the clock past 1 o'clock Eastern, and that's no, that's not fair to the fans here in Philly or Eastern Conference teams trying to watch their team. Yeah, it's – it's, 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 This is an interesting <coughs> trip for them because now they're going to be – they're going to get a uh, – I think they have a day off too in L.A. Um, so, you know, a bunch of guys – one thing I guess we should have maybe talked about, maybe we could do a – uh, an episode we'll do snow the goal either Friday. tomorrow or Friday. Let's yeah, let's we'll do plan one before on Friday, one and, and we have we have some other stuff to break. But down. they have, but they're gonna de- they're gonna get days off in LA. They're gonna be in Vegas for four days. Like they're gonna they're gonna be spending. I know, right? <laughs> what could possibly gonna, go wrong? They're gonna be spending some time together um, on the road yeah. here, and I think that that's a that's a good thing. And Torts actually addressed this the other day, which I thought he had some really funny things to say um, about it. We should talk about that. So. Uh, We've got that. I think we can probably round out what we think is going to happen over the remainder of the first 20 games of the season. We'll get back to that. And we can even maybe we'll come up with our top two or top three surprise or breakout guys and top three disappointing players so far. We'll do some fun stuff. It'll either be tomorrow or Friday. Keep your eyes peeled to social media where we'll announce that. We'll be back Saturday morning with the uh, the morning after to break down the game against the Ducks. We'll be back Sunday morning to break down the game against the Kings. Big thank you to everybody who watched live. Big thank you to everybody who watches after the fact and listens in the podcast feed. We can't do the show without you, so we do appreciate you. Make sure you go over to youtube.com slash at snowthegoalie to subscribe. Find us wherever you get your podcasts. So for Ant at Ant San Philly, for Bundy at Cetarian6, I'm Russ at Joy on Broad. Thanks for joining in. Thanks for watching, maybe listening to Snow the Goalie, the only Flyers podcast. Morning after recap. Well, it's always next time. Have a great day, everybody.